have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome to the believer's journey. Today we are uh, on our second video and we're going to be talking about stewardship. Today with me I have Andreas Gutierrez. Thank you, Alan, for inviting me. Excited to be here with you. Uh, I love the name of, uh, of your show, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, Let me use your studio to record and so forth. Andreas is um, he's the expert financier uh, and CEO of Talum International, and we're based here in San Antonio. Yeah, uh, Talum is not a is it's it's the name of the business, but it's not a very it's not the common name that we use out there. Uh, I am you know I use my name. I have a, I have this radio show, this program that is broadcast in many different stations and now across all the digital platforms, um, helping people with their personal finances. So what people what people know is actually my name, the Andres Gutierrez show. It's show Andres Gutierrez. It's done in Spanish, so everything that I teach and everything that I'm I'm doing, it's it's not in English. So uh, I can speak a little bit of English, but mainly what I do is in Spanish. And from what I understand, you were actually trained by David Ramsey. Yeah, well, he was he was he was the inspiration because I was a I was a broke financial planner. Mm-hmm. Like most financial planners that are broke. Can you imagine just a broke, you know, can you imagine here comes the expert supposed to teach you something about money and he's probably broker than you are. And when that, you know, when it just started turning in my gut, I was like, how can I, you know, how can I help somebody? You know, it's like, it's like a blind person helping this other person across the street. That's when I started looking, you know, for, for answers, I came across Dave. And other books and everything. I started teaching and I started learning this stuff because none of this stuff is taught, you know, as you become a financial advisor, financial planner. They teach you, you know, you go get your licenses. They teach you a bunch of the technical stuff. They teach you products. They teach you sales techniques because you're selling products. They teach you all these things, but they don't teach you personal finances. So um, that's that's where I was, and um, I started, you know, listening to Dave. Eventually, I became one of the people that Dave endorses to do investing. Uh, and in 2009, one day he called and he said, hey, we know the Hispanic community, we know they're hurting. Um, the Spanish-speaking Hispanic community, he said, uh, we know God's principles are the only answer. And that's what we've been teaching and, 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 and we've tried to translate and dub everything over. And you imagine, you know, here's what they did. So they took some of the, you know, Dave teaching, you know, Dave's videos, and they put a Spanish voice on it. I mean, have you ever seen the worst Chinese movie ever, you know, where <laughs> where there's voice coming out and the lips are not even moving? It was basically like that. They try to match, you know, this very, um, you know, Puerto Rican or Cuban voice, you know, on on this on 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 Dave, and it just they just and they knew that you know they didn't work, so they started looking for somebody, and uh, he said, you know, Andres, we've been praying, and we think that you are that person that. You know that can teach this stuff, and uh, and they had seen me because I had started doing some some radio, some TV here in San Antonio, and uh, that's when it up everything started in 2009. He said, "Hey, let's get you know, let's 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 help the Hispanic community." Picked up all my family. We moved from San Antonio, Nashville. I, I worked with Dave for almost six years, leading and and uh, the 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 Spanish side of of that entire operation. Yes, and I know that you travel all over the country, and your show I understand is international. I do. Uh, most most of my travels, you know, speaking and you know, is is here in the U.S. Just because the majority of the audiences, you know, mo- the, most of the radio stations carrying the show are here in the U.S. But because it's in Spanish, you know, and uh, digital platforms and all that, I've been to Mexico, Central America, you know, South America, and a bunch of countries. So you know, I do get to travel, you know, into internationally and and, and share this stuff, share um, these simple financial truth that doesn't matter who you are, where you are, how old you are, that would just transform your life. And not only, not only your financial life, that's what I say on my show. It's not only your financial life that it changes, it changes your life, you know, when you become a better yeah. steward. Yes. And stewardship is our topic today. And so I want to talk about this a little bit. Um, traditionally, we are taught that stewardship is dealing with money, possessions, and giving. I mean, I'm sure that's basically what you've always been taught. 
Stewardship, you know, it, it revolves around money. Stewardship mm-hmm. mean, meaning, you know, uh, it, by the way, that's that's a church that I didn't know before because I didn't grow up in the church. Uh, did I. I, I did not grow up in the church. So I didn't hear of that word or know that word until I got to church. You know, uh, in Spanish, it's called mayordomía, stewardship. Mm-hmm. And that's a word that people don't use out there, you know, in the in the in the world. Secular world. Yes. Yeah, in the secular yeah. world. It's, it's, it's a church word that I learned, and it makes a lot of sense to me. And I think once my wife and I figured that out, you know, the stewardship thing, but, 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 but you know, it's, it's when our lives started changing, you know, becoming good stewards, better managers. But the point is that, yes, my understanding of the word stewardship is money and money stuff. Yes. Well, what I want to do is I want to read the definition of stewardship, Okay. Stewardship is the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. And to me, that does not tell me that's finances. It tells me that's almost everything in life. Just the basic, simple definition. What do you think? I don't know where you got that definition from, but it doesn't sound very financial. It sounds everything. It sounds like uh, it's... Managing everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because in the Bible, there are over 2,000 verses, 2,000, over 2,000 that deal with money. And they, from the being generous to sharing your resources to tithing to treatment of the poor, uh, God has a lot to say about money. And we are to see that God is the provider and the source of all of our resources. Um. We are taught that we are to use our money and possessions to further his kingdom and not our own. I think that's where we find our problems is we're trying to further our own life, our own, you know, production of things or career and so forth. And then we find ourselves in trouble. What is that? I don't know. Okay. Um <laughs> Just a little, a little, a little sign from God, you know. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, uh, I agree. I think it's um, well. I've read the definition and have a better understanding of what you're talking about on stewardship, um, and I've read the verses because of you know being a person that has taught you know stewardship for such a long time. First in an office as a you know as a financial, I, I started as a financial advisor, not knowing. God's principles, God's word about this stuff. And obviously we were messing everything up. And I was doing what I was taught to do, you know, to help people create a financial plan and and implement these products that are going to help you grow or help you protect your assets. Um, But then later, you know, as we, as we, you know, learn the principles, you know, of, of the, the, the practical principles of what to do, but then really go a little bit deeper and understand the stewardship. Then I start, you know, I got a, a better understanding of, of what that meant. Because but you, Again, and I'm kind of repeating myself, but you're right. It was just financial. And I was okay with that because my wife and I w- went from almost ending up in divorce because of this financial troubles and these financial differences in our, in our, in our, in our marriage, you know, as a couple being so different. And I just, I have no doubt, Alan, that God has a sense of humor. I think he has, he's a, you know, he, wherever he is up in, you know, in the heavens, I think he just has a big smile when he looks into, at marriage because have you noticed, Alan, that he never brings together two savers or two spenders? It's always one, one of each. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and, and we're not the exception. So, you know, it, it was it was because we learned this, uh, these these principles of, of stewardship of what it means to be a married couple, you know, managing God's resources that saved our marriage. Otherwise, you know, you know, if, if we had a child then, our first son, if it was born, uh, he would be growing up with his parents being together because we didn't know this stuff. And most people, you know, don't don't have a good understanding of of um, of stewardship of uh, yeah. in, in, in on the financial side, you know it's interesting. When I was a child, I grew up in a home. I mean, we were totally unchurched, but m- my parents had a really good um, idea of finances. When I was uh, a kid, you know, if I did certain chores, I got paid for doing those chores. If I didn't do the chores, I didn't get paid. Yeah, I know kids that don't do the chores; they get paid anyway. Yeah. 
You know, I remember when I was young, yeah. my father would tell me, if you got A's on a report card, I'll give you $5. If you get B's, I'll give you a dollar. If you get C's, I won't give you anything. If you get a D, I'll, you owe me a dollar. If you get a fail, you owe me $5. I'm like, but now I look back at it, I go, wow, that is brilliant. Yeah. Because you're not just rewarding me. You're also letting me know there's consequences yeah. for the bad behavior. Yeah. You know, I had I had a mixed you know, when, when when I've heard that once or twice, and I had a mixed, you know, feeling about, you know, paying your son for good grades. But you're not paying him. You're rewarding him. You're trying to say, exactly. hey, there is a prize, you know, because we're trying to teach you, you know, that your life will be better when you put in an effort, right? And, you know, you get good grades because that's, that's your only – I've told my kids, that is your only responsibility right now. You know, yes. your responsibility is to, you know, you go to school and you do good at school. And this is going to be practice of life, what real life is, because right now you go to school, I work, you know, I work, you know, and get paid. You go to school and you get the grades. So if you are, if you figure that out, if you can go to school, which is your work and get good grades, you know, it, it's, it's a training, right? So, so I used to be like, why, why, why do you have to pay your kids to get, you know, you're manipulating, right? You know, they're going to, but, but, uh, but that was my quick, you know, kind of answer to that but now i actually think it's it's very brilliant mm-hmm. uh and and especially that part of the that's it that's the part that i hadn't heard you know what your dad the did consequences that consequences i've never heard anybody ever do that before it was only my father that i that i've ever heard it from and then we res- i got to experience that but what that gave me is through life i know that there are consequences for either bad behavior or yeah. doing something that you're not supposed to yeah and that taught me a lot especially about parenting I'm curious. Did you ever get a D or a fail? Not when I <laughs> was young. Just to pay your dad back? <laughs> Five bucks? I'm like, oh, wow. You well, know? Fortunately, I was a pretty smart kid. You know? Until, actually, my parents divorced when I was like nine, ten years old. And so the mm. that left. But also, my behavior became really bad. I actually failed citizenship in the fourth grade because it, my life was so terrible once my parents broke up. It was this stuff going on inside me. But I didn't have to worry about giving him five bucks because he wasn't there anymore. So, yeah. But yeah, I think that's amazing. I think we need to teach not only what's rewarded, but also what's uh, what we have there as consequences. And too many uh, young adults today don't have that. And I think that they're even teaching their children today the lack of consequences. I agree. Uh, and, and, and you know what? And here's what I've learned because I do, I am talking to people all the time. You know, when I'm speaking, people, you know, approach me and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people all the time about this, this topic. And, and, and it's not that parents don't want, it's not that parents want, that they don't want to teach this stuff. They don't even know that they need to be, you know, because it hasn't even crossed their mind of how, you know, to help your kids figure, you know, figure this stewardship stuff, you know, this financial stuff out or, yeah. or not, not, not just financial, but life. Right. I mean, they're just, everybody's so busy. You know, we, we live in a world today where it takes two incomes, you know, from on most families to just yes. barely make it every month. Yes. And the reality is that, you know, you get up and by the time you get home from work, you're tired, you know, you don't want to deal with it. I mean, I can't imagine uh, you know, homework then, and people do it all the time. There's single moms that do everything. Mom's yeah. job, that dad's job, you know, uh, I mean, everything. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, what the point is that it's not that parents don't want, you know, they're like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to teach my kids this stuff. It just, it just doesn't happen because they don't even know, you know, they don't even know themselves. I think that's true. When I married my wife, she said she was never really disciplined as a child because she didn't really do anything wrong. It's really hard to believe, but she's really about doing everything right and not wrong. So as a parent, she didn't discipline because she didn't know how. But she was never taught as a child. You never saw it. Never saw it, never experienced it. She never felt the belt? No. <laughs> no, never stood in the corner. None of that. Well, she's a good girl. Oh, I know. I, 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 I got the belt. I got the, you know, when, when mom's going to just grab a little bit of that skin right there on the side of the arm or your sideburn or with a teacher that puts two books or your ear. I had a teacher that made me held, hold, held a couple books, hold a couple books like this. Wow. Yeah. And one made me stand on, you know, well, I was, let me use the word mischievous, you know, uh, you know, when I was little, she made me stand on the wall. 
know, basically like, like, you know, like this, like squatting. Uh-huh. And he says, you better not sit. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was punished. I mean, I, I, I wonder what would happen to those teachers today. You know, they, they, <laughs> you know, they, they, they would probably be fired immediately. But do you know what? You, you wouldn't do it again. It touches. Yes, exactly. I mean, immediately. I had one in sixth grade that used to throw chalk at, you know, at the kids, you know, when you weren't paying attention. And he was so accurate, Alan. He could just hit you right in the forehead for no matter where you were, you know, just <laughs> boom. You know, he would go, listen, you know, pay attention, you know, and for the next, I guess, five minutes, right? You, yeah. you can, you can, you can. And it's really funny, um, and this is off topic a little bit, but I remember when I was four years old, I was, atten- uh, I guess my mom took me to a, like a nursery school at some lady's house, and she was my preschool or nursery school teacher. And one day I decided to go to her house, and I made some orange juice, got it in a, in a uh, pitcher, and I walked to her house. Now, I lived in San Fernando, California, and I had to cross the railroad tracks, and I had to cross Hubbard Street, which if you know if you're from that area, it's like a four- or six-lane road, and it's busy, like San Pedro is here today. Yeah. I'm four years old, and I walked miles to get to her house. I knocked on her door, delivered it. Oh, it was wonderful. Then I all of a sudden, my parents show up, (laughs) take me home. I got a spanking, and I had to stand in the corner. And I didn't even know why I was trying to do something good. But now that I look back on it, you know, oh, well, it taught me that that was not a good thing to do, and I never did it again. Yeah. So. Even though, you know, we're trying to do something good and maybe the punishment didn't fit it, but there still needs to be understood the consequences of doing something because they love you and they don't want that thing to happen to you. Are there consequences when it comes to the stewardship stuff? I think so. You know, I, I do. I think when we when we don't follow a good line of stewardship, you know, we have uh, consequences. And it doesn't matter whether it's financial or anything. You know, I know... Um, I was fortunate. At 10 years old, I started, uh, I worked as a paper boy. Unfortunately, kids can't do that anymore. They don't have them available. Yeah. I made $30 a month. You know, and a 10-year-old kid, that's pretty good. It's like $2 million, right? Oh, yeah. And I did that until I was a teenager. Then I got two paper routes, and I made $60 a month. So I never ever went want for, for money. Yeah. Now, my mom, you know, divorced and she's raising five kids and she made about a dollar thirty or dollar twenty five an hour, you know, back then in the seventies, sixties, I guess it was seventies. And um so basically uh I never knew we were poor. I was just talking to my mom just a couple of days ago about this. I never knew because, you know, if I wanted a shirt, I bought it. Yep. You know, if I wanted food, I bought it. My yeah. grandparents always helped my mom out and so we always had something. Yeah. Um but Growing up, what helped me was in finances, I love to spend money. So I'm the spender in my family. Okay. My wife is not. She she looks for the cheaper things on the menu or she tries not to spend a lot of money, which is really nice. Now, sometimes I think she needs to, it goes a little too far. Yeah. <laughs> she needs to spend a little more just for her own self. She's one of those that always at the restaurant, like, what do you want to drink? Water. Exactly. And may I have some lime, please? A little bit of lime. <laughs> exactly. <Some> lime. <laughs> she makes her own lemonade right there. We uh-huh. would go to Taco Bell, and she literally would look for the cheapest thing on the menu, which was a taco, like yeah. 69 cents, and she would order that. And she ordered it every time. And I'm like, well, why do you order this? Why don't you get the burrito? Well, it may seem price. The pizza. <laughs> so I asked her, why did, why did you order just the taco? Because it's the cheapest on the menu. Well, so? Well, that's all I was allowed to spend when she was married before. So that was the thing we had to conquer. So then, yeah. then it got to be, well, you know, we go to Taco Bell, and I'm saying, well, why don't you order something different? You know, And she says, well, I don't know if I like Taco Bell. Why? They only have the same thing. Well, you only order the same thing. There's much more to life. And I would, you know, spend here and there. So really, I'm the spender. She watches a lot more carefully than I do. Um, so it's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. I enjoy the fact we're different. I really do. Yeah. Um, I know people that believe you have a credit card. The idea of a credit card is you spend the limit because you have the limit to spend. Well, that's that's what I get to talk about on the radio all the time about people because people are really hurting on this part. Yeah. You know, there's over a hundred million people in the United States of America that don't pay their credit cards every month. That was oh. the idea, right? It was supposed to, you just, you just use it, get the points, get the miles, pay it off at the end of the month. Well, guess what? That yeah. was, that was a trick. That was the trap. That, and so many people have fallen for that. And 
you actually lose the money and the points because you don't pay off the credit card every month. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's just people are in, you know, just in a mess. And, and many times it's just because the education hasn't been there. Yes. Really. It's just people don't want to be in, in a terrible financial shit. People don't want to be hurting financially. As a matter of fact, you know, I really believe, Alan, that when when this stewardship stuff is not taught, you know, it's just people haven't even heard it, and you know, whether it's church or outside of church or however, the point is that in the church, when people don't know how to manage money, and I know, you know, I know you're talking on stewardship, all of this is stewardship, but I really believe that people that are managing money, being good stewards, it 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 puts, you know, you'll be your faith, you know, will be in doubt. You know, you will be in doubt of your faith. You know, you will be you will be questioning God, like, what's going on? You know, I'm hearing yes. these things at church. I'm hearing the pastor say all these things and everything. God, I'm not feeling it. You know, if you're real, you know, why am I struggling to pay my electric bill? Why am I having to call, you know, the you know the light company and say, hey, can I send you 50 bucks? Because people do it all the time. You know, I talk with the people from the, you know, I spoke one time with this lady. He said, a lot of people every month ask if they can just send less because they don't have the money to pay their electric bill. Yes. You know, when I was first married to, to Susan, you know, we struggled. We, we, uh, our income was very low and you watch your pennies, you watch your dollars, you watch it very carefully and you're, we were a lot more careful with our finances. And then, uh, we changed the way we ran our business and all of a sudden we started making a lot more money and I, and then we started making less money and I'm looking back at all of how it went up and down and, and is evened out. And I'm realizing when we were not making as much money, we were more careful. We were better stewards of our money than when we had more money. And that's really weird. Well, I think it happens to everybody. But I think a good steward, a person that is being a good manager of their money, is not just able to pay their bills. Because that's not, I don't believe that's what God calls us to do. I think on the parable of the talents, it's very clear that he who manages his money better or does good with money, you know, is entrusted to manage more. Mm -hmm. If you don't do things right with money, remember what happened in that story? He took it away. He said, he said, you evil servant. He called him evil servant. Yes. You didn't even earn interest on my money. In other words, you didn't do things right with the money. So let me take that away from you, you know, that little money that you have, and let me give it to that guy that has more and is managing it correctly. Right. So I think on the financial side of stewardship, you know, uh, and, and there's more illustrations of the Bible, you know, that, that, that show this. In other words, that, that the person managing the money good is rewarded by God, you know, is rewarded by God to manage more. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and if I, you don't, then the, 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 the punishment or the consequences are there. And I don't think it, it matters how much or how little you have, because I think God will reward you on whatever you have as long as you're, you know, working it appropriately. Well, on that same parable, the guy that only got two talents, if, if, depending on which version you're Rewarding. reading, he was also rewarded. Exactly. You know, he was also rewarded. So it doesn't matter. It's not only that rich people get more. It's not true. That's not how God's math works. God's math right. works with people. No matter what you have, if you manage it well, you know, right. you will be rewarded. Yeah. I want to read a, uh, a passage here from Proverbs uh, 3, 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with your first produce or your first fruits yeah. of your entire harvest. Yeah. I don't look at that parable as talking about only finances. I know that talks about uh, your first fruits, but it's talking about your possessions. And I don't possess just money. I possess clothing, I possess cars, I possess a house, you know, I possess a lot of different things. And I yeah. think when we're talking about honoring the Lord with your possessions and your first fruits, I think he's now bringing in the whole idea that our stewardship belongs uh, in an appropriate manner to honor him with everything he has given us, all things. Okay. And... I think that good stewardship begins and it ends with the understanding that God is the ownership of all things. I mean, the Bible says that he owns everything under the heavens yeah. and everything in the heavens. Yeah. 
And um, yeah. even with Job, I mean, there's a there's a passage in Job. He says, "Who can uh, claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me." When yeah. Job was complaining, yeah. he lost everything. Yeah, you know, I think it's amazing that we have these stories and these scriptures in the in there that help us understand that he is the owner of all things. I think that we need to understand we're here to manage what he's given us. We need to. Uh, live in a way that shows him we're honoring him. And you know what? It, it sounds, when you're a um, new believer, you know, you hear that stuff, and it sounds a little, eh. I think, and that's what happened to me, you know, because what is it, you know, because you're talking about managing, you know, so so they start teaching you about being a manager. And, the, and, and here's a good illustration that, that I, that I saw, you know, as a financial advisor that was dealing with clients and money and CPAs and attorneys and financial plans and all this stuff, you know, that a CPA, you know, many times, you know, can manage, you know, can do, you know, an accountant, a bookkeeper can keep track to the penny, you know, the, you know, his, his customers or his clients' money, right? Or the owner's money. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy how when you start, when I started meeting CPAs that became my clients, that became my clients as a financial advisor, because they, you know, sometimes they kind of manage their own money because CPAs begin to feel like, oh, I can, I can do this. And they don't know anything. Of, they know counting, they know bookkeeping, but it doesn't mean you know personal finances or you know financial advisor, financial, or, 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 you know, how to grow financially. So here's what's interesting. Many CPAs, you know, again, can manage their owners, their customers, their clients' money to the penny, but in their with their own finances, they're out of control. Yeah. And that's the point that I think that's why God set it up this way, that he calls us to be, but that sometimes, you know, you learn this stuff about, oh, manage you, and it just sounds, you know, like little, you know, sounds nice, you know, sounds churchy, it sounds everything, but there's so much more. There's, it's, there's so much wisdom. It's so deep, you know, and it's so real, Alan, you know this, this, you know, you know what you just read right now about managing. What you just said about managing, because as soon as you take possession of something, you mess it up. As soon as it's yours, as soon as it's like the CPA, like how how could it be that he can manage his client's money perfectly and they have a mess with their own money? Yeah, how can you be a financial advisor, financial planner, and be broke? Exactly. How can you give good advice? Like somebody could listen to you and go, "Oh, thank you," you know, and and and, and financial advisors are probably helping their clients. But with their own money, they're a mess. I think that's true with um, every area. I mean, you, you look at the statistics of, of psychiatrists or psychologists. They're out there helping people emotionally, and yet they have a high suicide rate. You know, you look at pastors. They're out there, you know, preaching in their churches, and then they lose their children, you know, to the world. And I think that when it comes to personal stewardship, you know, I think that we lose, we, we're so focused out there, we're not focusing in to our own situation. Because that seems to be true in a lot of areas um, in, in life, in, in careers. That the people, their stewardship for personal growth and personal ownership to Jesus is. Well, well, that means that that person hasn't really grasped what stewardship means. Exactly. Because stewardship means is, right? I, I think the, the basic, how I see things, I have to, they have to be broken down to very simple things. And it just, I think stewardship is, it doesn't belong to me. God is the owner. Mm-hmm. And he's asked me, he's entrusted me, you know, to manage whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. And when you really grasp that, when you really understand that it's God's money, it, 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 it's, or God's, Whatever it is that he's entrusted with, like you said, the house or your clothes or whatever it is, you know, you treat it differently because it's not yours. Because one day he's going to say, hey, I need for you. I mean, accountability, right? I need for you to, what What did you do with what I gave you? Yes. And it's funny, you know, even on a, a different way to look at things, today's generation in today's day and age, not even the generation that's younger, um, you know, if you get a scratch in something, I want to replace it. If uh, I, I, my father, my grandfather, people of the generation that uh, older, something breaks, they fixed it and they used it. You know, something scratches, they'll 
keep doesn't matter to them. It's still workable, or they'll paint it, or they'll do whatever they Is need. Is that to. an exaggeration? That you know, my grandpa had a little jar with um, nails. Sometimes he would pull off something, straighten it, straighten the nail, wow, and not throw it away. Like put it in that little jar. I promise you that he had those. Like you know, because we were always we were hanging out at my grandpa's, and we were if we were building something or something. He said, oh, there's nails in that jar. And most of those nails were were used nails. That's really funny. <laughs> my dad, we just built a house uh, a few years ago. And and my father, um, he had this uh, sawzall. And what he ended up doing was he would, uh, the, the trigger was broken. Yeah. So he rigged it. So that when you plug it in, it automatically went on. Well, that's good and all that. He's trying to save a hundred dollars, yeah. but it's also pretty dangerous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that was that generation. They yeah. didn't throw things away. They just yeah. didn't toss them. They, they, they used them. They reused them. And and I think that that's something that we've lost in the, you know, maybe because we've become so financially rich in our country that we've lost that that sense of oh, we need to take care of things. I mean. We have a in, in changing the topic, but still in, in the idea of stewardship. You hear a lot about taking care of the earth or the climate and so forth. Well, that's part of stewardship. In fact, the the Bible is very st- strict about the way we need to take care of the earth. Our stewardship. You know, when He created Adam and Eve, He gave them a job to take care of the earth. Yeah. To name the animals, take care of the animals. It's part of stewardship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And. Um, yeah. You know, too often what happens is our resources, our relationships, our talents, our finances, they're all used to uh, accomplish our own selfish goals. And we've lost sight of the fact that we have all these things uh, to make things better for, for Jesus, for God, to honor him and take care of all the things he's given us. I think too often we look at... Uh, God gave me a job, so I work at God. So 10%, I don't know, that's a lot of money to give to the church. Yeah. Know? But we're losing sight of the fact that we're trying to give it to the Lord, and he gave 100% of that to you in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, we end up, we give a lot of our money to missionaries. You yeah. know, we, we go to Moldova a lot every year, and and I see the missionaries out there. I think we support maybe five or six of them. Yeah. Because it's their ministry is so pure, so good, and I think that when we see that God is working somewhere, yeah. you know, not that we support all missionaries, but yeah. the ones we feel led to, yeah, it, we want to honor Jesus, and I think it's in every area of our life, and it has to be every area of our life. You know, well, you're the teacher. I'm here. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me read this. It says, Biblical stewardship refers to the responsibility that believers have in maintaining and using wisely the gifts that God has given them. The Christian steward is not only responsible for the financial blessings supplied by God, but also the spiritual gifts that are provided through the Holy Spirit to build the church, friendships, jobs, and even your hobbies. We don't think about that. I mean, we have hobbies. You still, um, we need to have hobbies, but we need to maintain them so they don't take over. I was in a Bible study, which I won't mention who it was. It was a famous person and uh, for a couple of years there. And he had a real struggle. Once he ended his career, he had a real struggle getting on the computer and playing games. All of a sudden, it's five hours later. Yeah. So it's it's, it's still about we need to play a little, we need to have the hobbies, yeah, right. but we can't allow it to consume our lives and overdo it because then we're not being good stewards of our time. Yeah, I was taught um, years ago when I lived with uh, Lon Ekdahl, my pastor, I was taught to, about time, that we need to really watch our time. When we go places, we need to be on time. It's, a t- it's our testimony. Yeah. And when we're at places, people's houses or parties or so forth, we need to be careful of their time and not overstay yeah. our stay because now you're stealing people's time. Yeah. So a lot of these things yeah. have to do with our stewardship, though I didn't wasn't taught it that's what it was at the time. You know, I I brought them in and I really try to be on time places. I really think that's a, a an amazing teaching about my my um especially as a pastor, about my testimony, 
Okay. But then I realized it's all about, you know, stewardship. And it goes back. I mean, let me finish up with this. It says that uh, I have here the responsible management of these God-given resources, response, relationships, and control is called stewardship. Yeah. And it applies to everything, everything in our lives. I have a, a slideshow I'd like to um, bring up and, and show you. And what you see here is this is a circle. This circle represents your life, okay? And to the believer, Jesus is the center of their life. So if we look at your life, my life, all of our lives here, Jesus is at the center of our life. And I think it's important to note that because in everything we do, we're supposed to do with Jesus being the center of our life. Yeah. So we go to the next slide here. You have... um, in your life, there's all these, looks like a pie, yeah. all cut up in, in slices. Well, these are areas in our life that God has brought to you that divide up, and they're all separate, and they're all things that, um, that, that you live in and you um, have stewardship over. So when you look at these pies and you go to go to the next frame here, we see that, um, for example, we have our family. Yeah. Okay, so your family is... Part of that pie piece in your home, in your life that you had stewardship over. Now notice that in the center of that pie there is still the center that Jesus is center of that relationship. Yeah. So when we have stewardship, we talk about whether it's your spouse, your children, your parents, whatever it is. You know that thing that God has brought to your life, and everybody has some type of family. You know Jesus needs to be the center of that family. Yeah. And center of your your uh, life there. So we have other things we have in our lives. So we have friends, same thing. Hobbies, same thing. Yeah. You know, we bring these things that God has given us. Now, everything that God brings to us, uh, we don't always bring into our life. We reject a lot of stuff. Whether God brings it to us or whether other ways it comes in our life. So everything that's in our life isn't obviously everything that's come to us. It's the things that we've brought into our life that we actually live with and manage, okay? Uh, Obviously, we should be bringing everything that God gives us into our life. So if we go to the next slide here, we see we have more, our jobs, our career, you know, even our church. Yeah. Um, I know people that will literally go to church every day and they'll forsake the giving and the stewardship of us, say their family or their friends, because they're too busy with their church. Yeah, they've made their church their god. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, and I think that yeah. we need to realize that Jesus is our God, not our church. And I think that's so important. I think that a lot of uh, being in the ministry, I see a lot of ministers that have made their church their God, their ministry. Um, and even though they don't say it. Because what you're saying is is strong, but you know that minister wouldn't say, "My church is my God." It's just th- their time, their actions, their yeah. attention, their their everything. You know, is actually pointing that the church is the God. Because they're not going to say, "Church, no, no, Jesus," you know, because they're preaching Jesus. Right? They're, they're teaching Jesus. Well, in the meantime, and, and I run into this uh, quite often. What happens is. These ministers, and it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or, or associate pastor or if you're a um, singer or if you're a missionary, what happens is your family suffers. And in some areas, they end up in divorce or their kids run off or they yeah. lose their family yeah. because it's not set appropriate. And I, li- I like this circle. I like it because it's evenly done and there's, there's no guilt. There's no, you know, one is more important than the other. Obviously, we do have things that are more important, but what's important here, if we continue to focus this, is Jesus is the focal point of every single one of these relationships here. You know, finally, we'll add more. We have our finances. Yeah. You know, and then we have our cave. Now, Cave? I, what is that? <laughs> you know, I had to name that that. Their cave is basically your house. Okay. Where you live. But people okay. live in an apartment. People yeah. live in their car. Yeah. People <laughs> live yeah. where you live. That's your cave. Yeah. And um, I had a, I was talking to a friend of mine um, who's a missionary in Moldova, and I was talking to him about the cave. He laughed. He goes, so my apartment's my cave. <laughs> and I go, exactly. You know, so that's, but we take care of that. We have to take care of where we live. 
I mean, that's still a sign of are we honoring Jesus in our life? But that's that's the um, mm, it brings it you know it brings, brings a different perspective. It really does, you know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking right now in my backyard. I'm like, ooh. You know, <laughs> I was like, um, well, you know, are we are we honoring God in everything? I mean, if we go back to that scripture, honor the Lord with your possessions. Yeah, yeah, we own, we own or rent, or we have been giving the place to live. We should treat it that way. Um, I had a pastor, his name's Robert Emmett, uh, who used to talk about going to work, and he says, if you go to work, you know, it's your job. You should get there early. You should work hard all the way through. You should be, you know, leaving maybe the last one or leave, you know, a couple minutes later, knowing that you put in 100% of your work and you're doing a good job because that honors Jesus. I thought about that more and more. We, how many people don't do that? Probably the majority. Yeah. And if we really want to make an, a difference as a believer, then we need to be doing these things Everywhere in our I like, lives. I like that scripture that says, I think it's Colossians 3.23, that says, work is on to the Lord. And yes. I think I, the way I heard it, and uh, it made a difference, you know, is just work as if there's a camera watching you all the time. And it's just, it's just God, you know, that your work is either going to put a smile on his face or a frown, you know, because, you know, he's giving you this job, this ability for you to create an income and take care of your family. Yes. You know, I, I love that I love that it says work as unto the Lord. In other words, it doesn't say ignore your boss and forget the boss or whatever, whatever they say, but you work as unto the Lord. You you know, you, you you're not trying to impress, you know, the boss. Uh you you know, you work as unto the Lord. And I think that, you know, when we look at every area, um our relationships are so important. When I was when I was a teenager, and I moved out as a teenager into my car, um, and I rented a place. I got this anger toward my mother, you know, and that anger really festered, and it became bitterness. And I didn't know all this; it just happened. And through the years, it really uh, I was a bad steward of lots of areas in my life, and I didn't really understand what was going on until I realized, you know. I'm not honoring God with the things in my life or the relationships in my life. So I ended up calling my mom. I think I was like 30 years old, 28, 30, somewhere around then. And I just said, Mom, I need to apologize to you. I have not been a son to you. Mm. And really, I'm doing this because the Scripture says to honor your father and mother. Yeah. And if I'm not honoring my mother, I'm not honoring Jesus. And it didn't matter if my mom had any apology or had anything to say on her half. It really didn't matter at that point because that's not my responsibility. Even if you were hurt by your parents? It didn't matter because my responsibility is to honor her and honor Jesus. And the way I'm going to honor Jesus is by honoring my mom. And I understood that then. And I think after that point, I started putting things in perspective in my life um, little by little to understand the stewardship is is like the pie. And every little area here has to be dealt with and brought into perspective that Jesus is the center of every relationship. Everyone. Yeah. What do you think? It it makes sense. I mean it just it just makes sense in my head, you know, what you're saying. You know, um again, when I hear the word stewardship, I'm thinking money, financial stuff. And even though I've, you know, I've gotten much, you know, I've, I've studied the scriptures much deeper, you know, and gone to church and heard the pastors preach on this. But but I've never, I saw this pie chart that you're talking about, you know, as somebody that is teaching, because I think, you know, teaching people on finances, you know, it's, it's, it's an area, if you go to a bookstore, it's you would find these books in the self-help area of the mm-hmm. bookstore, right? That's where you would find, right. you know. Uh, books on on personal finances, and that's kind of the area that I've been teaching. You know, I I, I I'm teaching personal finances, but with a biblical you know uh, teachings with biblical principles because I think I truly believe that's the only thing that works. And and to see people, you know, and people can say it's common sense. Well, it, you can say whatever you want. That's that's where it comes from because 
Many things taught outside of that, let me say, in the world don't teach this stuff. You know, they go against it. And every single time something goes against these principles, you know, what's in God's word, it doesn't work. It might flash. It might look nice. It might, you know, it might work for a little bit, but eventually it's going to, you know, it's going to, it's going to leave you empty. And going back to the, the point is that as somebody that began to absorb and read books, you know, on growth, I saw this chart, you know, from uh, Zig Ziglar, you know, a person of faith, you know, that taught personal growth. And he said that there was, you know, whatever he called it, a wheel of life or something. And, and it's some of, the, some of these match, you know, some of these things that you put on this slide, you know, are the same. Some are, but the point is that if one of those is out of balance, you know, it's, it's like a tire, like a wheel that goes blah, 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 blah. In your life, it, it, it's not, um, you know, it's not going to be balanced. But I hadn't seen, I've never, I've never, all these years, you know, going to church and, Walking with God, I've never, you know, never, and being somebody that teaches on stewardship, somebody that's always talking about the subject, I've never seen it, you know, in uh, this way. Well, you know, my, my, uh, we call this the believer's journey. And, um, and I said, talked about this a lot last, uh, my last video is that Christianity is, is not a religion, it's a relationship. And the relationship consists of that with Jesus and that with other believers. Well, if you're going to have a relationship which, which actually defines you as a believer in Jesus or a Christian, well, then you need to follow certain principles that bring that into the very relationship it really is. So when I look at uh, living in my family, you know, or living in the fr- my friends or my career or whatever it might be, yeah. you know, all those things, and there might be some out of whack as you grow, and that's what makes it really cool because – we are not perfect when we are when we make Jesus Lord. We're not perfect. We have a lot of work. At least I had a lot of work to go through yeah. to get even where I am today, and I have a long way to go even now. Yeah. So I think what happens is we work as we can to make to make our life honoring to Him, and the foundation of a of a believer is to become like Jesus. That's the foundation. So when I look at uh, this chart, yeah, one of the things that that really makes it really kind of cool is the fact that if we're trying to become like Jesus, and Jesus is holy, Jesus is love, Jesus is light, Jesus is all these things, um, we strive for this, and the way we strive for it is to make Him center of all things in our life. And when we do that, what happens to our life is really Jesus becomes all of our life. And that is really the goal. Yeah. You know, yeah. I could have my finances in order, but if I don't have my home in order, if I don't yeah. have my hobby in order, I don't have my friends in order, you know, then that's... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Blah, blah. I mean, so both, both wheels will work the same. You know, I need to understand that just because if I make a lot of money, if I, if I do everything right with my money. If my friends and I are out doing the wrong things, it doesn't mean that my, my life is, is you're still going to hurt. You're still, you're still going to pay the consequences. You're still right. going to pay the $5, you know, uh, and, you and, still failed in this area. And right? your life is an honoring to Jesus. That then what happens is you realize that friendship, Jesus is not the center of that friendship. And that's what happens is that we, we come to terms with is he, is Jesus the center of, of everything. Yeah. So if there's an area of your life, you know, like on this pie chart that you showed, if there's an area of your life that is bringing pain to you, that is bringing hurt to you, that is causing emptiness inside of you, it's because in that area of your life, Jesus is not at the center. Possibly. I mean, you can have pain and emptiness, and Jesus Jesus could still be center there, but there's growth and growing things. For example, uh, King David there were times when he was really alone and he was hurting. And, uh, for example, when his son Absalom came after him. Yeah. Okay, well, you wouldn't say that David was out of sync with God, but he was going through a trial. He was going through a period there. And you can see in his writings in the Psalms that he drew close to God and he knew that God was still his God. So, therefore... It, the pain and suffering didn't mean that he was apart from God. Yeah. Because through all of that, and when he got reestablished as king, 
you saw that his life was okay. I mean, he was all right. And I think you see that in other areas, like with Joseph. Oh, my word, Joseph in Genesis. Yeah. You know, talk about somebody who was really put in jail when he yeah. didn't deserve it and so yeah. forth. Yeah. Yet the honoring that he did of God showed me that he was probably the wisest man in the Bible. Because everything, the Bible says everything he did, he honored the Lord. And people around him saw that. And because they saw that, they put him in place of, of uh, leadership. Yeah. So you can't just go just because you're hurting that you might not be have something right with God. God could well, be working well, with you. Well, I guess what I meant is that, like, because you gave that example of your friends, you're hanging out with some friends that right. is, you know, that maybe and that's just not honoring God. Those friends, that relationship, what you're doing with those friends or whatever is not honoring God. Right. So does it mean that, um, that Jesus is not? Well, I guess so, right? Because you're not honoring, you're not honoring Jesus. What you're saying as a steward, you know, speaking of stewardship, right? You're not honoring Jesus with that relationship, and that's why. And it'll be evident. It'll be evident that, that Jesus isn't center of that relationship and things aren't going to be perfect and things aren't going to be, you know, above par. We're supposed to live, be living above reproach of the, of the standards of the world. Well, if we're not there, then we've got to relook at where, where we are with the relationships that are not bringing us to that point. You know. Makes sense, Alan. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> you know, I have something else written here. It's really interesting. Um, looking at people in leadership, you know, most everybody in the world is the leader of something, okay? So, for example, uh, I, have, I wrote this down um, just the other day. It's the work of a pastor or leader leading a congregation on their journey of salvation with their Lord or God. It's also the work of a parent to train their children and grow and mature in ways uh, that'll help them to survive and function in a world that brings honor to their community and to Jesus. Sometimes I think we get so focused on, I gotta make sure they're Christians, gotta make sure they're Christians. Yeah. Or we get so focused on, I gotta make sure they, they, they have, uh, make good money, get, get, make good yeah. money. And really, it's not about um, making good money, but it's about becoming somebody who really. Uh, succeeds in the community that people can look up to because they can honor him. Why? Because he's learned to honor Jesus. How do they, that? the parents have trained them to do this. Yeah. Talking to uh, Radu in Moldova, one of the missionaries that, that I uh, support, um, he just said that um, his son, one of his sons just uh, decided to become baptized because his, he realized what it was, what it was to be a Christian. Yeah. And just about the same time, his daughter decided that she wanted to become a, a believer. This is really wait, wait, cool. wait, 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 wait. So this, this is somebody in Moldova bringing people to God. Mm -hmm. And their kids didn't see this? Until well, the kids recently? are growing. Like their daughter's 10. Oh, okay. I see. I see what I see. Their son is a teenager. I see. So this is growing. Yeah. So basically, what's so, really cool. So, so it's not, not their parents telling them you know, what to believe in. Now they're deciding for themselves, you know. I can relate to that because uh, I, I, I was really happy. I mean, it just brought so much joy to my heart, you know, when my middle son said, hey, I want to get baptized. Obviously, they probably heard at the church. Yeah. But it wasn't us saying, hey, you need to get baptized. Out of You know, he's the one that told us, hey, I want to get baptized. Yes. And the neat thing about it was he was saying, you know, I don't sit there and preach to them and teach them and do all this. I said, yes, but what it is, it's you live the life. And they want to follow that life because what they see is Jesus in you. And kids are going to learn more and go on more with what they see rather than just what they hear. Yeah. And I think that's what's really cool. Yeah. So when we talk about stewardship as a parent, you know, we don't get a, a handbook. You know, we really don't. Yeah. You know, so it's like, how do you be a parent? Yeah. It's not there. And a lot of them are out there that try to show us we're having just as hard a time as the next person. Yeah. So what was cool about this whole thing is that, you know, as he's living the life and sharing with people outside of his home, and he has people coming in her home because their home is actually a ministry area, and then he also shares and spends time with their kids, he has a pretty well balanced, which is really nice, and their kids are realizing yeah. Jesus is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. And this is so nice. I really yeah. like it. So I think that, you know, as we have positions 
of authority. I mean, I I am a teacher of the of the word. I'm an instructor. Yeah. So for me, I believe I have a, a huge accountability for what I teach. I believe that if I need to be accurate, I need I I need to be someone who not only speaks the word but live the word and able to share the word so that people see in my life that Jesus is the center of my life. Yeah. And I think that's what makes us that's what made Jesus a great teacher. It wasn't just because he taught great things, because he lived the life. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what we need to understand as we are believers when we realize that Jesus needs to be the foundation of our life and that he is the focus to become like him. It needs to be focused on him in all, all areas of our life. The finances, our home, our family, our church, you know, all of it. The cave. The cave, yes, backyard. <laughs> backyard. Oh. You know, I have one more thing here. It says, you know, we are to make wise decisions with the resources and relationship that God has given us. Good stewardship is taking care of all the things in all areas that are in your life. It is a supervising of time, yeah. talents, and finances that keep our lives manageable, sane, and living a positive testimony that honors Jesus. Understanding that God brought them in our lives and that whatever God has given to us, we are to treat them as if we are managing them for God. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Because yeah. we, especially in our country today, as we get all this stuff and we're, like I said, we're rich in, in resources and finances in our country. Yeah. You know, we don't think about that much anymore. It's kind of a lost thought. You know, this is really God is God owns all of it. God has given it to you. So therefore, you know, we uh, honor him by giving back to him, not just in finances, yeah. but our life. You know, I said this on my last show, you know, the third third commandment is that we don't take God's name in vain. And it's taught over and over again not to say God's name in vain, but yeah. it does. that's not what it says. Okay? It yeah. says that we don't take his name in vain. And what that means is, is that, we who call ourselves believers need to live like a believer. If we who call ourselves believers live like a sinner, then we're taking his name in vain. And Jesus attacked the Pharisees, not because they were religious and, and holy. It was because they said they were one thing and lived the opposite. They were hypocrites. Yeah. And Snakes. as Yeah. Vipers, yeah. Vipers, yeah. And we who have this responsibility— in our stewardship, need to take all the things in our life and lay them out and really look at, is Jesus the center of all these areas in my life? And we need to really take, a, what do you call it when you take, um, not just responsibility, you, you, you count it out, you look at it, and you organize it so that we know if we have an area, like if I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing in my job, you know, I need to straighten that out and make honor Jesus. You know, my wife and I own a business, and we let people know that we're not the owners of the business. Jesus is the owner of the business, and we need to honor Jesus through the things we do yeah. in our business. Yeah. You know, and that way God will bless our business. Yeah. And we truly believe this, and I think that's true with everything we do. Fundamentally, stewardship is about reflecting the image of God in all areas of our lives. It's placing Jesus at the center of every relationship in every area of our life. It's pretty clear to me. <laughs> I think that sums it up right there. So tell me a little bit more about your, your – do you have anything else you want to share about you and your ministry? People can get a hold of you um, on my on uh, website, uh, thebelieversjourney.net. I actually have a picture and a little writing about Andreas, and uh, your website is right there if anyone want to click to your website. Yep, andresgutierrez.com. Pretty yeah. simple. It's just my name. Yeah. So where are you going next soon? Where are you Where are you off to? Well, I, just, I, I still have I, I still have that fire burning inside of my heart to, to uh, see the Hispanic community, you know, r you know, really transform, you know, their finances. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's where all my focus is. I'm going to continue to do, you know, what I'm doing, and um, you know, we're, we're we're believing, you know, we've done our plans, but we're asking God to honor those plans and just keep impacting more families because. It's it's it truly transforms a, a life. You know, when somebody 
here's this stuff. And it's because it's financial and it's money. It catches people's attention. Mm-hmm. But as soon as when people begin to change this area of their life, which is the financial part, they go, hey, you know, I had this area where it was really causing pain in my life and I was able to change it very quickly. What about this other area of my life? What about this other area of my life? Yeah. And uh, and that's what that's what I, that's what I believe finance because that's what it did in our lives as well. So and that's exactly what is you know what is happening with uh, all these families that are hearing, listening, you know, learning this stuff uh, on the money side. It's 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 kind of just you know uh, it's like that kid throwing you know doing a cannonball into the swimming pool. It's you know splashing into oh, all the other areas of yeah. you know um, and not only areas of the life, other people around their life. You know, as they begin to see even a change in their, just in their face, you know, when somebody goes from struggling financially to not, you know, like, hey, what's going on? Well, you know, I'm learning this stuff and it's really making a difference and really, you know, and and, and it's impacting, you know, not just their life, but people around them. Yeah. Well, it's been truly an honor and a blessing to get to know you and work with you and yeah. everything. It just really has been a blessing. I, I really want to let you know I thoroughly enjoyed knowing you. Same here, Alan. It's good Thank to it's good to uh, be here with you. Thank you for inviting me to your uh, program here and uh, great conversation. And you know, because I do the show daily, I'm always looking for you know. I mean, it's, it's I have this huge task of being ready because on the show I typically teach something on the first segment and then I start taking phone calls. And I'm always, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a, uh, ideas and, and, and concepts and the stuff that I need to prepare in a content machine that I'm always consuming. So, you know, I have so much from today. You know, I'll, I'll be speaking about this really soon, you know, in the show. So thank you well, so much. Thank, thank you so you. much for, for, for uh, inviting me. We've been watching The Believer's Journey. We've been talking about stewardship. And I want to thank you and wish everybody a happy new year. And join us in two weeks for our next show. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.